Father, we just thank you once again this morning, Lord. We just worship you. We just praise you. We thank you, Lord. The whole reason, oh Lord, that you've created us. The whole duty of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. The whole purpose of man. And this morning, O Lord, even as we now meditate upon your word, O Lord, grant us a taste of that pleasure. That we will truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Let it be, O Lord, a precursor to the pleasures that we will enjoy in your presence. Wet our appetites, O Lord even this morning, to enjoy your word continuously. That, Lord, that you would widen the taste buds of our spiritual tongue, that we will truly taste the goodness of of your Son in your word. And this morning I pray, Lord, even as we now study your word and meditate upon your word, anoint us afresh. You said in your word that you would open your mouth and I will fill it with good things, Lord. And our, our mouth is open wide. And I pray, Father, that you would fill us with good things. Satisfy us this morning from your table. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We give you glory. Anoint us in the speaking and the hearing. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Alrighty. We'll build a temple for God. We'll continue to build a temple. Like Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And somebody else will build upon it. But let everyone take heed as to how he will build and for that day will prove what kind of work um, or what kind of a building we have built. Let it be not half constructed buildings but complete structures. We looked at uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read that once again. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22. We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You are fellow citizens of the saints and the members of the household of God. We have become members of God, household of God. No longer strangers, no longer foreigners. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Okay, so we, those building blocks is what we are trying to establish Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone verse 21 in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit that's exactly what we're trying to do through the um, study of the word of God as Moses was enjoined by God in Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 and 9 let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them 
according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furnishings. Just as you shall, just so you shall make it. And 26.30 also, and you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern. 26.30 will say, according to its pattern, which uh, was shown to you on the mountain. So the first pattern that we looked at was the pattern of teaching, sound doctrine, pattern of sound words that you have heard from me, says Paul, that have resulted in a way of life. Okay. That have shown me my eternal purpose for which I perceive even in the face of absolute opposition. And I keep on keeping on. That's what he says. And this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Alright? So, this is a tremendous privilege, right? To build a house of God. And what is important, therefore, is a pattern of teaching. Okay? Based upon that pattern, we build a spiritual house so that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. That is the whole purpose of teaching. And this privilege is remarkable, actually. If you look at, there are several 1423s. You know, Romans 1423, anything which is not of faith is sin. Another 1423, John 1423. Look at, uh, if you can put it in um, in NIV, it will be really interesting. NIV will be a very interesting translation. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Okay, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And what will happen? My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. But how does that home be get built when you obey his teaching? That is the reason why we've been establishing what a pattern of sound words so that we can make an abode for not only God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, all three of them. He says, I will send the Spirit. He will come and dwell with you. I will, you can make a home whether me, where we and my Father will come and we will make our abode with you. What a tremendous privilege that triune God uh, can come and dwell in our own hearts is the remarkable, remarkable privilege. The teaching will enable us to build a spiritual house for us, for, 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 um, by us. Uh, so that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices. The spiritual house we are building and the teaching is to enable us to build that house according to pattern. It's not a tangible house, it's a spiritual house, that which cannot be seen. One day it will be seen, but as of now, it's something which cannot be seen. Outward man is perishing, inward man is being renewed from day to day. So look at another place which I wanted you to, uh, just uh, a verse which will kind of uh, set the tone for for this entire series. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. Um, put it in KJV. Okay. Yeah. For thus says the high and the lofty one. That inhabits eternity. That's remarkable, right? Uh, 3.11 of Ecclesiastes says, you don't have to turn there. It says, I've placed eternity in your heart. But just because I place eternity in your heart, will I come in and just stay there? No. I am the high and lofty one. I dwell in eternity. 
I also want to come and dwell in you because I have placed eternity there. 311 of Ecclesiastes. Okay, I dwell on the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and a humble spirit. That is, that is where he wants to dwell. He doesn't dwell in any heart. Even though there is a place for him there. I mean, a vacuum, a God-shaped vacuum. But the problem is that God-shaped vacuum is being, people are trying to fill it up with so many other things. It's only, it's a black hole, as I said. It's got infinite gravity. Hmm. And only one person can fill that hole, that vacuum inside of you. A God-shaped vacuum. And that's the high and lofty one who dwells in eternity. And how will he dwell? He will also dwell with him who is a for, of a humble and a contrite spirit. What does he do? He revives. He quickens the spirit of the humble. He revives them. What, 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 what were we? We were dead, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And what did God do? He made us alive. He quickened us, it says in the KJV. He revived the word. No, people sing, we, we sing for revival, we pray for revival. And how does, when does revival come? When we, all of us, we come to a point wherein, Lord, nothing without you. Revive the spirit of the humble. It's an attitude. And revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God is a God who dwells in eternity. And therefore this morning, if, ask God for that spirit. So that he can come and dwell among us. Okay, so that the ministry of the word of God should bring us to a point where our attitudes, we have, we have come to a point where we are saying, Lord, I'm here, teach me. Okay. That was Samuel said, right? Speak, Lord, your servant is hearing. That is a fundamental doctrine. So the one of the, one of the fundamental uh, doctrines that we are looking at, we, we looked at yesterday also was the doctrine of repentance from the from dead works, okay? Repentance from acts that lead to death and faith toward God. So fundamental doctrine from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. We can just look at that one one verse. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation. We are looking, laying the foundation of repentance. Repentance means change of mind. Okay, Continuous change of mind. One was a, an, a change of direction too. A change of mind and change of direction. That also involves total focus is away from the world and back to God. And we looked at how the how how we um, how this particular gift. Essentially, we looked at repentance being a gift from God. And uh, we saw from Second uh, Timothy chapter two. If you turn turn there from verses uh, twenty five to twenty four to twenty six. Mm, 25 actually, 25 and 26 is enough. 25 and 26. In humility correcting, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. And if God grants them repentance, if it's a repentance which is a gift from God, if God were to grant you that, if it's a truly godly sorrow and not simply cosmetic sorrow which leads to death. Repentance which leads to life has at least four characteristics. What are the four characteristics? According to the particular verse, you will know the truth. Second, you will come to your senses. Your senses will be quickened. You will return to a sober mind, if you will. Third, you will escape the snare of the devil. Fourth, you will be delivered from doing the will of the devil 
to or uh, your own will from doing God's will. Those four things are continuously happening in our lives. Therefore, there's an opening of eyes. Why? The God of this world has what? Blinded our eyes. Turn to 26.18 of Acts. Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter 26 verse 18. <clears throat> to open their eyes so that you can turn from darkness. What The word turn is what? Repentance again. You will turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. You are under the bondage and the power of the evil one. The whole world, it says in John's, 1 John chapter 5, is under the sway and the power. The prince of the power of the air who is working in the children of disobedience. That's the spirit which animates the children of this world. And we are all like that. Satisfying the lusts of our flesh and of our mind, it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. So, we were all under the sway of the evil one, under the sway of the poneros, actually that's the word, poneros. Poneros means evil one, the wicked one, wickedness, wicked one, alright. And from the power of Satan to power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Okay, till then we never thought that we, we, we were sinners, no. So, the moment our eyes are opened, we realize that we need, we, uh, we need to have, we need to receive forgiveness of sins and then we need to have an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. So this is essentially opening of our eyes, opening of our senses. Our senses become quickened. We come back to sobriety. We are not, no longer drunk with the world and there's a return back to, to, to where God wants us to be. So it makes us to know the truth, repentance. Okay, and then it makes us uh, sensitive, our spiritual senses are awakened. And third, we escape the snare of the devil and we are delivered from doing the will of God, from our own will, that is the will of the devil, and ultimately doing the will of God. So what is the whole purpose of our change of mind? So that ultimately we will be conformed to the image of Christ, which is essentially his mind, that we will have his mind. And we looked at those eight characteristics of as to what uh, having the will of, uh, sorry, the mind of Christ is. So repentance progressively should lead us to having the mind of Christ. Progressively. Not every area, but it is happening. It's a continuous process. Repentance is a daily process. Initially, it was a 180 degrees complete change. And over a period of time, it is a course correction that we are taking every, every, every day. Every day we are making course corrections along the way, even as we are in this pilgrimage towards attaining a mind. It is not a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But it's a pilgrimage to our heavenly Jerusalem and we are preparing ourselves in the spirit so that we can, we can come to that state of mind and our attitudes and our emotions and our wills and everything is conformed to that of his son. So today this, we will look at another small uh, incident, a p- pattern of repentance which I want you to uh, concentrate on today uh, and then I will go to the second part, another aspect of repentance. We looked at four characteristics yesterday, what repentance achieves and it is, we know that it is a gift of God. God, God grants us repentance, right? And how does he grant us repentance is a question which we want to look at today. We will look at uh, Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> Verses 44 to 48 and 11 verses 15 to 18. Acts chapter 4, uh, 10 verse 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. 
Okay. So by the way, um, repentance comes by hearing the word. It's a, I told you, right? It's a confrontation with the truth, confession of your sin, cleansing from God, and commissioned by God. That is the entire process of repentance every day. Okay. Because our commissions are also changing every time, no? Suddenly we'll be doing our own thing. And God says, no, 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 no. This is not your, this is not my perfect will for you. It is a good, acceptable, and a perfect will. So you're slowly zeroing in on to that particular calling that God has for you in the body of Christ. Alright. So, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision were astonished, who believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. What was poured out on the Gentiles? The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles. And what happened? There was an outward sign of the of the uh, gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And he, they, they, they asked him to stay with them for a few days, so he taught them. Now, Peter is going to give a report. No, he's, he's gone, gone there, he's going to give a report as to what has happened in the Gentiles, with the Gentiles. Now, when he's giving the report, certain things are mentioned. What, what has happened there? There was a, the Holy Spirit came onto them and there was an outward sign. What was the outward sign? They started speaking in other tongues and were magnifying God. But there is an inward sign which now the Holy Spirit is going to actually point out to or zero in on. Look at Acts chapter 11 verse 15 now and 15 to 18. And as he began to, as I began to speak, Peter is giving his report. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord just how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? And if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should withstand God or could withstand God? And look at verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying that God has also granted the Gentiles repentance which leads to life. Now what is life here, Zoe? Okay, my words are spirit and life. So, uh, Peter, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, speaks words. Okay. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and there is an outward sign of an inward change. What has happened? They start speaking in tongues. But what is the inward change that has happened now? They have repented, and they have, that. there's a repentance that God has granted them. Repentance that leads to life. So the Holy Spirit came upon them. There was an inward change that has happened, that has taken place and that that repentance takes them to life. So when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? Let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 16. What is that inward change he wrought? Is something which I want to talk about. So there are, I want to talk about three dimensions now, extra, as to if you have been given godly sorrow which leads to repentance, genuine repentance. We looked at four four things yesterday. We looked at your, uh, your you know the truth, your senses are awakened, you are escaped the snare of the devil, and now, you, and also you have been delivered to do God's will. And three more things which I want to do, look at today, as to what are these extra dimensions of repentance that we should look for or search for in our own hearts if God, God has indeed granted us repentance. Okay, this is something which I want to look at. 
Let's turn to John's Gospel chapter 16. Let's read from first verses 13 to 15 first and then 7 onwards. 13 to 15 and 7 onwards. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come. So the, 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 what happened on them? The Holy Spirit came upon them. What is he called here in this case? He's called the spirit of truth. He's also called the spirit of grace. But as of now, we are only looking at, see, repentance takes place only when what, what happens? There's a confrontation with the truth. So a Holy Spirit came and the spirit of truth came upon them and something happened deep down inside of our, of their hearts. Now Cornelius was a guy who was a righteous guy, I mean, in the, in the, in the worldly terms, so to speak. But something happened, right? So however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you to all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. And then verses 14 and 15, he will glorify me. What is he going to do? He is going to glorify Jesus. And he will take what is of mine and he will declare it to you. All things of the Father are, has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. So now let us read from verse 7. So what does he do? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your own advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit now, will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he has come, who is he? Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth. What does he do? He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, of sin, it says in verse 9, because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. And verse 11, of judgment, because the ruler of this world has been Judged. So what has happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them? Three things have happened. Three extra things are, I mean, three extra things. Three things have also happened. Okay, because what does, because when they have known the truth, the Holy Spirit convicts the world inside of us. Or in all of us. Of truth. Of sin. The first thing, therefore, when you have repented, you know what will happen? Initially we were all in the world. We were under the influence of the prince of the power of the air. What will happen? He will convict us of our sin. And why of sin? Because they do not believe in me. Now let me tell you something. The world system hates Jesus. No, when I'm saying hates Jesus, I'm not saying they hate the principles of Jesus. Oh, they say Sermon on the Mount is fantastic. Jesus was a great rabbi. The fantastic teacher. They will also have the copy of the New Testament in their pockets. You know who it was, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's from your state only. Karamchand. Mohandas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They have the copy of the old New Testament also in the, in their pockets. They will say Jesus was a great teacher, etc., etc., etc. But they will not believe in him. What do they not believe about him? Let me tell you. First, let's go to, why do they hate him? Why do they not believe in him? Why do they not believe in him? Simple. Why does a world get convicted of sin? Because they do not believe in Jesus. Right? Or they do not believe in him. This unbelief. And why do they not believe in him? Let's turn to John's Gospel chapter 15. And let's read from 18 onwards. 18 to 25. Let me show you so many things as to why they do not believe in him. If the world hates you. 
know that it hated me first before it hated you. Okay. And then he says, first thing, if you were of the world, the world will love its own. So if the world is saying many good things about you, chances are that you are not a believer. It's impossible to be a son of God, the son of Jesus, I mean the, the, the son of, uh, uh, born again into the kingdom of God, and also have friendship with the world. That is the reason why it says in James chapter 4 and verse 4, you adulteresses and adulteresses, don't you know friendship with the world, filio with the world, what can world have anything common with you? So if you were of the world, the world will love its own. You are just like them. That's exactly what has happened in the in the last days. Over a period of time, the world has slowly crept in. And what has happened is, the people who are worldly in the church always fight the truth. They fight it. If you were of the world, the world would. Love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, what will the world do? It will hate you. Okay. There are only two possible things that can happen to you when you go into the world. Either they hate you, or they love you. We are of, for those who are perishing, the aroma of death. Aroma of death? Actually, smell of death. And for those who are being saved, we are the aroma of life. And there is nothing in between. And God says, Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? That is the reason why he says we are ambassadors of Christ. We are not of this world. We are strangers and pilgrims. And let me tell you something. If we have not made this, uh, what you saw, we have not come to this uh, point where we begin to hate the world, then we Really, really, really have not believed. Now, there are a bunch of 15 Psalms. Okay? There are a bunch of 15 Psalms uh, which uh, people sing when they are going towards Jerusalem. It's called the Psalm of Ascents. If you want to keep on ascending with God, the highest point is Zion. Okay? That is where they want to reach ultimately. And they are in the pilgrimage from wherever they are. And they are all of them in different parts of Judah and Jerusalem. They have to reach the pinnacle. And it's a, a path of full of different kinds of challenges. But you know how it starts? It starts with a very interesting psalm called Psalm 120. Let us read that psalm for in order to get an idea as to what kind of an attitude we should have. How does it start off, the pilgrimage? In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. How did it start? <laughs> you are in distress. Where? In this world. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. You know how the pilgrimage starts? It's very interesting, right? They started, started this, they were, even as they are singing this song, that one of the hymns that and the choruses that they are singing is, My, my soul, O Lord, is in distress. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue and then go on. What shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the of the broom tree. That means, let me tell you, the whole world is full of false tongues. I'm not talking about tongues. I'm talking about false words, flatteries. How they flatter you? 
full of flatteries in the world. Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree and go on. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, that I, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with the one who hates peace. They hate me. My soul has dwelt too long with the one who hates peace. You know, until and unless you have come to the realization that you have spent a lot of time in the world with people who hate God. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, the power of God came and uh, the power went. Don't worry, we'll be back in a few minutes. The power will be back, but we're still transmitting, right? The transmission is on, the power is, will be back very soon. So my soul has dwelt too long with the one who hates peace. That's the reason why when Jesus goes, when he says, he sends his disciples, he says, I'm going to send you two by two. Okay. If there is a son of peace over there, what will come back to you? Your peace will remain. But a son of peace is not there, it will return back to you. Okay, You just shake off your dust and get out of the place. The world is people who hate the message of peace. And you know what you have to tell? Lord, I have spent too long with those who hate peace. Now turn to First Peter chapter 4. You can never take script for Peter chapter 4, no. You cannot. That's a problem. It's a, it is the, it is one verse which Peter has filtered the entire old covenant and he speaks. Therefore, since Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind of thinking, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That we no longer should live the rest of our lives of our time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And the next verse, for we have spent Enough time of our, of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In regard to those, in fact, uh, the message will say, they, they are surprised that you no longer take part in any of those, you know, any of those drinking parties along with them. Yeah, message, yeah, you can put it there. It's very interesting. This is three and four. Of course, your old friends don't understand. Your old friends don't understand why you don't join in that old gang anymore. I don't want, and you're saying, I've spent, Lord, I've spent too much time with those people who hate peace. Okay. Have you come to that point? It's a question. Have you come to the point where you say, Lord, I've spent sufficient time. That is when salvation starts. That is when repentance has started. You know that? In fact, you'll regret. So Lord, so much of time I wasted. Remember? So much of time I wasted. So much of time I wasted in senseless pursuits, Lord. Okay. So, let's go back to uh, Psalm 120. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, speak, 
there for war he says tata bye bye i'm leaving first song of ascent what is the first song of ascent the first degree that you have to that you have to pass grade 1 is realize that you have spent sufficient time with those who hate peace that is the first thing that you know when the holy spirit comes what does he do he convicts the world of sin meaning what why because they don't believe me they hate me actually he says so we have to be very careful when you're comfortable in the world we can't be it can't be i mean it's it's a battle all of us will be battling it but you know what stay on that straight and narrow path stay i know there's there's always this gravity towards the world but stay on that straight and narrow path that is the reason why we need constant what you call uh, fuel which will which will propel you in the upward direction okay now that we have entered into borrowed time like pastor was saying yesterday we need to have more fuel because we have to stay in the air for more long more for more time we can't get down remember the aeroplanes have extra fuel at least 4 to 5 hours of extra fuel so that just in case they don't get a landing space in the airport they have to be loitering around in the airspace in the yeah in the airspace before they get the landing orders so God is giving us. Don't just come down now. Stay there. Have extra fuel, so that you'll not get, you'll not gravitate to the things of this world. Okay. So I am for peace, but when I am, when I speak, they are for war. So when we when we go back to John's Gospel, chapter fifteen, verse twenty, verse nineteen, also we can see see that together. if you are of the world the world would love its own yet because you are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you and then remember the word that i said to you a servant is not greater than his master if they persecuted me they will also persecute persecute you if they kept my word they will keep your word also and therefore uh like actually you can read verses uh, 22 so yeah 22 yeah 22 if i had not come and spoken to them they would have no sin you see that if i have not come and spoken to them they would have no sin but now they have no excuse for their sin okay so when he comes he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in why do they convict the world of sin john's gospel chapter 7 verse 7 why 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 do the world hate you the world cannot hate you but it hates me because i testify of it that its works are evil you know what the word evil is again poneros of the evil one and because it happens that way and you hate him therefore you don't believe in him okay first peter chapter 3 will say you don't know a second second peter chapter 3 verse 3 will say there of this they are willfully ignorant willfully ignorant okay so first thing understand therefore he he convicts the world in of in, in us of sin and therefore you says lord i have spent enough time here okay for those people who hate peace i want to get out of this place 
get out of this world which hates God. Get out of this world which hates Christ. Do you understand that? Get out of this world which hates God. Get out of this world which hates Christ. Second, so he convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in him. Second, he convicts the world of righteousness because I go to my father. That's a very interesting connection, isn't it? It's very interesting, right? It says in Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand and I, until I make your enemies your footstool. Who said the Lord, that is God the Father, said to the Lord, that is God the Son. That's what they asked, right? If David called him Lord, how can they be his son? And they all shut their mouths and did not ask them any, ask him any more questions from that time. Over. If the Lord said, if Lord calls him Lord, how then is he his son? So if the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What does that mean? There is only one standard of righteousness that is acceptable to God. And what is that standard? The life of his son. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross is that that's, that that righteousness is imputed to you. The righteousness which is by faith in Jesus Christ is the only righteousness which is acceptable to God. Okay. Everything else, you know what it is? It's a pretense. It's a put on. So he convicts the world of its put-ons. What does he convict the world of? It's put-on. Put-on ka matlab jante ho na? They put-on. No, we put on different, different hats. We put on different masks. For example, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 3. If you can put it in KJV, it will be great. <laughs> Who's adorning? What is that? The put on. It is of the outward. You know what the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes, it convicts you of all your pretenses. All your pretenses. All your outward adornments to hide the inward reality. It sees through and says, this is what you are deep down inside. A person who hates God. Hits his righteousness, convicts the putons. That is the reason why. Let not your adorning be of that. Meaning, it doesn't. It's not saying that we should not dress presentably. We should not give most more importance to that which is of the outside than that is to which that is inside. That is something which is something which is which is talking about over here. If you, for example, there's a 316 in the Bible, no? 316 onwards. Isaiah 316. I'll show you a very interesting uh, thing about the daughters of Zion. Look at what it says about the daughters of Zion. If any of the daughters of Zion, you have, if you fall into this category, ask God to give you the gift of repentance. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, uh, mo- moreover, the Lord saith, if you can put it back in the engagement, okay? Yeah. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty. Yeah, they are haughty. They walk with outstretched necks. Who are, who is the guy who has got a long neck? Og. Yeah, the king of Bashan. Daughters of Zion also have. They have, they walk with outstretched necks. 
They walk with wanton eyes, seductive looks. There's a spirit of seduction that is going on in this world. So what do the daughters of Zion have? They have outstretched necks, wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go. Making a jingling with their feet. Outward. And then go on. 17. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion and will uncover their secret parts. Meaning what is there deep down inside of heart? You're, you, it'll be uncovered. What, are, what is happening to you? You, you, you? God is saying this is all a put on. To hide the real you. That is the reason why cosmetic repentance will not work. That is what we call as worldly sorrow. Lot of people will shed a lot of tears. But there is absolutely no reality in those tears. It's all a put on. Okay, then next next verse. In that day, the Lord will take away the finery. What are the finery, Baba? He's going to define the finery. It's not a refinery. It is a finery. Hmm? <laughs> the jingling anklets. The scarves. And the crescent. Sometimes, you know, when uh, we know a person is coming by the Sounds that is that we hear at the at the door. Okay, the jingling anklets, the scarves, the crescents. What is a crescent? You know crescent, no? Crescents are there either here or here also. Okay, the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments, the headbands, the perfume boxes. Actually, uh, some translation will say the mascaras. The perfume boxes. The charms. Oh, they have the charms too. The rings. The nose jewels. The festal apparel. The mantles. The outer garments. The purses. What do you have in your purse? It's called a vanity purse. Abhita? Vanity mirror. That's what you told yesterday. Hmm? The mirrors, of course, it's coming there. <laughs> okay, immediately, you know, God already knows 2800 years ago what will be there in the woman's purse. The fine linen, the turbans and the robes. And it says, instead of smell, there will be a stench. That's a real you. What have you? You have a put on, you have a full of perfume. Even does now, even men also have lots of... I'm not saying we should not put uh, Dio. Because uh, otherwise other people will be in trouble. But what, what God is saying, that is not your righteousness, basically, that's all. Your perfume is not your righteousness. I can smell you, but I can smell deep down inside of what spirit you are. What spirit animates you. What do you have? Instead of smell, you have, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. What is it? A sash is those things, no? The band, you know, they have a, please give me the sash. Okay. Instead of sash, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. See, what God is actually describing is the reality of how he sees them. It's exactly how the Laudation Church is. What do you have? I'm rich. I'm powerful. I don't need anything, but you do not know that you are wretched, you are poor, you are blind, you are naked. Instead of a rich robe, 
a girding of sackcloth instead of branding, branding instead of beauty and the rings, the nose jewels. And then, next verse, verse 25, your men shall fall by the sword and your mighty in the war. Her gates shall lament and more and she being desolate shall sit on the ground. This is the reality. So what does he do? He convicts the world of all its outward forms. And he will show you. It's all outward. External only. All external trappings. So when true repentance comes, what happens? You are suddenly aware of your inward reality. The Holy Spirit comes. He will convict the world of sin. Because they do not believe in him. Second, of righteousness, because I go to my father, that means there's only one righteousness that is acceptable to God. Nothing which is external. Some people, we are not talking about uh, righteousness. There's some other, other things also about the world that has to be exposed. Let's turn to, um, Colossians chapter three, sorry, chapter two. Chapter two. And verse 8, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Kya? What is it? Philosophy. Kaan se milta philosophy degree? MPhil, PhD. Master of philosophy, doctor of philosophy. Kaan se milta na? Okay. Let, let, not, let no one deceive you or cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of this world. So what, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he convict you? He will convict you. These are all basic rudiments of this world. What are the rudiments of this world? Philosophy and empty deceit. Of all those false ideas, he will convict you. Yeah, when yesterday pastor was talking right about uh, in the new world and a new energy and a new, a new heavens and new earth, they will not be, uh, what is that? Uh, the physical laws will not work there anymore. No, uh, this uh, if uh, if you've heard about this guy called uh, uh, forget his name Ray Comfort. Yeah, you must have heard of him, Ray Comfort. No, Ray Comfort is a street preacher. So he was talking to this uh, lady who was in New Age. Okay, lot of he's in California. He's in California, and California is full of vain philosophies, nonsense ideologies. So he is going on the streets and he's talking to this lady, uh, interviewing her, and she and he's and he's, he's asking her, "Oh, do you believe in uh, afterlife?" Yes, uh, she says, and she says, um, uh, "What kind? What kind of a life do you think you'll enter?" It depends, and she says, "It it depends what kind of an energy I have in this life. If I have built up a lot of positive energy, because energy can be neither created nor destroyed." I will enter into a state of positive energy. That is a vain philosophy. Where did they get this uh, all ideas from Newtonian physics? And they are applying the Newtonian physics to spiritual stuff. When God says, <laughs> all your physical laws, have actually I am walking on them. How can any man come through a closed door? Oh, he must have bent the fabric of space and time. That also will go. He says he will, heavens will be rolled up like a 
scroll. The, the fabric of space and time also will be rolled up and thrown out. So Einstein's mass energy equivalent also and his theory of relativity also will be out. That's also be, that, that also will become a what philosophy? A vain philosophy. So all these things I'm going to end up into a positive energy. It's an absolute vain philosophy. Philosophy of works. Why? It's essentially that the amount of karma that I have accumulated over a period of time is going to determine what I'm going to have in the next life. Vain philosophy. Rudiments. Basic principles of this world. Another thing it is given. Go, go, go to Galatians chapter 4 verse 3. Oh, before we go to verse, uh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 3, turn to Colossians chapter 2 verse 20. Colossians chapter 2 verse 20. Verse 8 and verse 20. First, we'll, let us finish verse 8. First, okay. Philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. Okay? It's not Christ. Where is Christ seated? He's seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so he's going to convict the world of righteousness because says there's only one righteous standing and one only one thing which is acceptable to God. It is the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. Not of any of these vain philosophy and ideas of this world. And again, verse 20 now. Verse 20 of Colossians. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to these regulations? That means one of the things that you are convicted of, all these vain ideas which I put my trust in, I am renouncing them. That is repentance. Why? Why do the, why, why are these things, why, why are these things vain? Turn, turn with me to, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3 and then verse 9. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements, same word, elements of this world. And Peter will say, these elements will burn with fervent heat. Disappear ho jayega. What kind of elements are they? Verse 9 will say, but now after you have known God or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to these weak or rather powerless and beggarly elements, again principles, beggarly elements and philosophies, they are beggarly, powerless philosophies and ideas. And one of those philosophies and ideas is that you can, uh, if you turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 only, verses 1 and 2, 1 and 2. O foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. This only I learn uh, from you. Uh, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by fearing for faith? Verse 3. Verse 3. Sorry, verse 3. Yeah. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Now you are being made perfect in the flesh. The flesh was absolutely, the flesh profits nothing. We know that, right? In my flesh there is nothing good. And all that is in the flesh, it's absolutely powerless to produce any of the righteous requirements of God. That's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. God has restrained me from having a child. So, you create... 
you create something in the flesh and he says that is a powerless beggarly element thank you jesus Sorry, making too much sound. <clears throat> so, he will convict the world in you of all these useless, beggarly, powerless philosophies and ideologies. Did you get that? Everybody? So, he will convict the world of sin because he hates him. He will convict the world of righteousness. Because he goes to my father. In other words, there is only one thing, one thing that is acceptable to God. None of these vain ideologies, none of these vain philosophies, none of these things which the world calls great, God hates them. Third, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. What about judgment? Everything is a world which is under the power of the evil one is going to be destroyed. How did he going to, how is he going to convict the world of judgment? Because the ruler of this world has already been judged. If the ruler of this world has been judged. Nothing that you hold on to, hold dear to in this world is going to stand the test of time. Everything will be judged. And repentance is his realization. You turn from all these things and begin to stake, take your journey with God. You turn from all these things and you begin to take your journey with God. What is this? He will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. The world hates God. So you don't want to be a part of this world which hates Jesus. Second, the world has got all these basic principles and philosophies which are useless and powerless. You want to get rid of all that and say, Lord, transform me by the renewing of my mind so that I will only accept what is of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 and 5. We will look at that. We know this very well, but again, once again, we will look at it. <clears throat> For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to Pulling down of all those ideas and thoughts, arguments, pretenses, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every vain philosophy, every beggarly principle of this world, they are beggarly and weak. What is weak? Powerless to save. Beggarly, poor. Basically. Okay. Understand that. So, second thing is that they will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and third, of judgment because this world is under judgment. And you want to go into the world and be a part of it which is already under God's judgment? It will be like Lot. Looked at Sodom, it was like the well-watered garden of Eden, like Egypt it says. Eden and Egypt. And it was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So let us ensure, Lord, let us get out of this world. Why? Because this whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And when salvation really, really takes place, when repentance has come, you know what happens? Your eyes are open to the reality of all of this progressively. Slowly, slowly, one step at a time, one step at a time, the value systems of this world are broken. And like pastor said yesterday, you know, he puts you in the fire and you know what happens? All the cords that bound you to the world will be loosened and you will be experiencing increased freedom. Amen? Okay, so first is repentance. Second is what? Faith towards God. Let us go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That means you're no longer putting your faith on your works. You're putting your faith on the finished work of Jesus on the cross and now you're believing in him. You're trusting in him and now it now begins the life of faith. Okay? You're no longer trusting in any of your works and now begins the life of faith. Faith towards not any idea, faith not in a doctrine, but faith in a person. This Lord Jesus Christ and faith toward God. This God himself. But what is faith? We'll look at one verse in faith, about faith and uh, we will try to look at three examples as to how we know that we are having faith in God, faith toward God. Okay. First, Hebrews chapter 11. Let us understand the definition of faith. Just read verses uh, 1 to 3 in, in, in ESV. In ESV. Hmm? It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the old receive, people of old have received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are Visible. First, faith has got strong convictions. You need to understand that. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 14, please. If you turn, turn with me. One verse which I wanted to show you. I keep saying it, but I never showed it. Chapter 14 and verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems one all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Understand? Otherwise, 1423, anything which is not of faith will become sin. So what is faith? Faith is a, is an attitude where you have strong convictions. It is not just, uh, what do you say? Uh, unreasonable. There is reason, but that reason is not that can that which can be seen. It is a strong convictions of not something which is not seen, and because you have strong convictions about something which is not seen, you make decisions on the seen side of of eternity based upon what you have not seen. You understand what I'm saying? You have not seen judgment, have you? No. Like Noah was warned of. 
judgment to come. And moved by godly fear, he created, I mean, he, he prepared for himself and for his family an ark. And he became the heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. You know, remember that. So, what, are, what, what does it mean? He had a strong conviction of judgment to come. And because of a strong conviction of judgment to come, he prepared for himself an ark. That is faith. Okay. That is faith. You have strong convictions. You are fully convinced in your own mind. Okay. And you have faith in that person. Alright. So, we want to learn from faith, right? We want to learn about faith. You know, one of the things that we are all are graduating and we are all progressing. We have to learn about faith. When you look at the Bible, people who have faith are the most unlikeliest of people. At least during time when Jesus walked on earth. In fact, if you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Chapter 14. This is, oh sorry, not chapter 14, chapter 4. Um, when he, Jesus is reading this in the synagogue, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, etc. And verse 21 he says, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So 22 will say, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they began to say something. And verse twenty three onwards, <laughs> very interesting. And they are all you know flattering Jesus. Oh, what a fantastic word! And Jesus said to them, "You will surely say this proverb: Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in your own country." Then he said, "Shortly I say to you." No prophet is accepted in his own country. Next verse. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three and a half years. And there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them Elijah was sent. Except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Stop there. Okay, that is one thing. Then many lepers were in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. So is, when he's gonna to talk to them about certain, th- certain things, about their attitude, he's gonna sample throughout the history of Israel, and he's gonna take two characters, one video at Zarephath, and Naaman, the Syrian. Now who are these fellows? Gentiles! Who is he speaking this, uh, this to? To the Jews. So what happens to them? So they all those who were in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with anger. See, whenever they are filled with anger, they are teaching us a lesson. That means they got offended. <laughs> they were filled with anger. And what are they going to do? No, they rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him to the Bro of the hill on which they were, the, the, their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. I don't know how he did this. And even this, I, I, I think he must have created some confusion. No, sometimes you know what happens. A lot of people just jump on each other, and you know, in the movies they'll show this fellow, me, he will come out of them some other lo- uh, locations, and that, something like that must that, that must have happened because he didn't do anything spectacular. 
He just came out. He just walked. He just passing through the midst. He went away. He went his went his way. Now, whenever you see the Jews throwing stones or getting angry, they teach us a lesson. And what is the lesson? He's telling them, learn from two people. Who are this? One is Naaman, and and one is the widow in Zarephath. What did they have? No offense, or what did they have? Faith. Faith in who? In the God of Israel. That's what he says. And now I know that you are a man of God. And the word of God in your mouth is truth. And she says, why did you come, O man of God? Did you come to my home to convict me of my sin? To remind me of my sin? The very presence of the man of God. In other words, no other widow would say this. And God knew which widow would confess her true condition. The widow and Zarephath. So we need to learn from the most unlikeliest of people about faith. So I'm going to show you three examples. First, what it is, what is, how do you know, how do I know that I have faith in God? Is a question. Okay? How do I know that I have faith in God? Okay? First unlikely person. Whom do you think we learn from? Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles, thank you. Let us go to Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Verses 1 and 2. And Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Okay, first. First, let us look look at Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Now, when he concluded all his sayings, he concluded a lot of sayings, in hearing of the people. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting the context in which this particular miracle is going to be mentioned. Understand? Okay. The context in which the particular word uh, miracle is going to be mentioned, he now, when he concluded his sayings, that means what? He taught them. And when when you teach something, what are you expecting will raise up? Faith. Thank you very much. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not accumulation of knowledge, but faith. You understand? So, he's Finished a lot of teaching that is going on over here. And suddenly, that is the context in which this entire episode is being mentioned. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. This is the same miracle which is, which is being mentioned in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. When he finishes his sayings and the crowd is what? Astonished at his doctrine because he speak, spoke as one having what? Authority and not as the scribes. And when he comes down, he immediately finds a leper first. Alright? And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Certain centurion servant who was sick and dear to him was sick, uh, who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Now turn to Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 and 6. Okay. Now when he, Jesus entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Pleading with him. Saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. So four things are mentioned about this servant. What, what, first thing which is mentioned, he is sick and he is ready to die. Third thing which is mentioned is paralyzed. And fourth thing which is mentioned is dreadfully tormented. Four things are mentioned about this servant. Which is the condition of many people. 
God tells through Isaiah to this to his people, he says, your whole body is sick. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, there is absolutely no soundness in it. There is full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. He tells one of the churches in Revelation, there are things in your life which are ready to die. Remember? Strengthen those things which are ready to die because you have a reputation that you have, that you have, that you are alive, but you are dead. Strengthen the things which are ready to die because I have not found your works. What? Ah, Revelation chapter 3. Please let's read that. Revelation chapter 3 verses 1, 2 and 3. But, okay. Yeah. And the angel of the church in Sardis these things says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a reputation that you are uh, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are what? Ready to die. I have found, I have not found your works perfect before God. So what has happened? This fellow is sick. Second, what is what is happening? He is ready to die. Third, he is paralyzed, means he is powerless, he is not able to do anything. He is on the bed. What is paralysis means? He is sick of palsy means he is not engaged in anything which is productive spiritually. We are not talking about that lady who was on her bed physically paralyzed, but she was writing hymns, hymns after hymns. What is that hymn that we sing a lot? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, was she paralyzed? Absolutely physically. But was she paralyzed in her spirit? Absolutely not. Absolutely productive in our spirit. So what is happening over the, with this guy? He is sick. He is ready to die. He is paralyzed spiritually. Absolutely paralyzed. Fourth thing, he is dreadfully tormented. He is under tremendous oppression in other words. Isn't it interesting that so many people who are supposed to be Christians, who are supposed to be people who are proclaiming freedom, are demonized. Meaning, no, not they are not possessed particularly by demons, but they are oppressed by demons. They are tormented. And why do we actually usually get tormented? Why do why does God release us to the tormentors? Because? Because of no, 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 no. Because? Why does God release us to our tormentors? Because? Unforgiveness. So you have a person who is sick, who is ready to die. Who's paralyzed and who is dreadfully tormented. Four things which I mentioned about this guy. You see, let us let's let's imagine that uh Roshan takes a picture of that curtain over there and he shows us a pattern. Okay? He shows us a pattern. And we look at the picture and he says, Wow, what a beautiful curtain. Uh, let us say, let us say that I get a, uh, I, he sends me the picture with its full, whatever, resolution, complete, uh, what is the maximum resolution? 4K? 4K resolution. He sends me the picture with 4K resolution to my inbox and I open it up and I see it. And what I'll do is, I'll magnify it to this one flower. Okay. I'll look at it. I'll cut it and I'll send it to my wife. One for, okay. Now that picture, that small part of the picture was a part of a whole thing. In other words, the whole picture is a part of different, 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 different pixels, right? 
I would not have gotten got the whole picture unless and until I have every pixel there. Therefore, I need to know the big picture. I also need to know the pixels <laughs> which make up the picture. See, the picture is not is not possible without the pixel. Okay, so that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm showing you the big picture and I'm taking you to the pixel. What is a pixel? Not tertiary reading. Oh, six. Very. There's so many things which are mentioned. Let us ask ourselves this question today. Are we sick? In our minds? Are there things in our lives which are ready to die? Sometimes when I look at some people's faces, you can see the oppression on their faces. Poor things. You can see that. Oppressed faces. Convoluted. Oppressed. Paralyzed. Absolutely not productive spiritually. And you know what? One man comes and says, Lord, come and heal him. Let's go back now to Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Actually, chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 8. We'll go there. From, now, from now on, from Matthew is fine because both Matthew and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, actually we can look at Luke's Gospel chapter 3, 7, verse 3. Both of these things are parallel. So, 7, verse 3 onwards. So, when he heard about Jesus, he sent his elders, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they had come to Jesus, they begged him earnestly saying that one of whom, one for whom he should do this, it was deserving. Ayo. For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. He is another equivalent of uh, Cornelius. But look at this man. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy that you should even enter under my roof. Goes on. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Remarkable, isn't it? Look at the, look at the conviction of this man. Of a Gentile. Conviction. Lord, just speak the word. Why? Just now he heard him. What did he speak? He spoke. He was teaching there and he was teaching as one having what? Authority. And look at what he says. Verse 8. For I also am a man. You know what he says? I recognize one thing. That you are a man under authority just like me. And I know how authority works. Lot of people have power but they don't have authority. I told you, you know the example of authority. Police constable on the road. And then you have a Lamborghini coming with tremendous power. 16, what is it? 16 horsepower, are they? 16 bhp. I don't know how much, how much bhp. Full horsepower. It's zooming down that, uh, that CR Rao road in, uh, in Gachiboli. You know CR Rao road, right? CR Rao road say Pura. CR, CR Rao road, whatever, huh? CR Rao road. 
There's a statistician, by the way. C.R. Rao Road from HCU. It is coming with tremendous speed. Traffic lights are gone. So where is one, one, there is one traffic, traffic cop over there. What is he doing? He looks at that thing and he says, stop. It stops. Does he have power? No, he has got authority. How does he look? Not very cute. Not, <laughs> it looks, and you know how that, how traffic cops in our country look like, no? Especially if you go to UP, even more Katarnak they look. They will be having, Jarda, they will do this, and they will say like this, like this, like this, like this, no? And that fellow has to stop. Why? Because he's got authority. He says, I know how authority works. I know where you are coming from. I know you are a man also under authority. That is faith. That is faith. Question is, are we people under authority? It's a very important question to ask every time. Every time we do certain things or not do certain things. And look at what he says. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy. In other words, yeah, I built synagogue, lot of people gave me a lot of good recommendation letter. When it, when it comes to those recommendation letters, when it comes to you, before you, none of the recommendations are valuable. That is faith. When they look at Jesus, do you see anything in him that you should, you should be attracted to him? No. But what did he see in Jesus? He saw something in Jesus. He said, Lord, <laughs> my good works, so-called, when compared to what you are and who you are, nothing. I'm not even worthy that you should come to my house. That is faith. Genesis chapter 32. I'm not worthy, right? He says, right? Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Then Jacob said, uh, Verse 9 and why, verse 9 and 10, okay? Uh, Jacob said, Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal with you. I'll deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all your mercies and of all the truth that you have shown me. See, when God reveals us truth and gives us revelation, revelation, do you think that we are worthy to receive the truth? Absolutely not. It's in his mercy that he reveals truth to us. Gives us revelation. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. Son of, son of Blessed are you, son of uh, Peter, uh, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. This is exactly what even Paul says, right? I am not worthy to be even called an apostle because I have persecuted the church. Not even the least of all the apostles. That's, that's faith. Recognizing what you are. You see, what is faith? To see things the way God sees. Who God is and what you are. In the light of who God is. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with the, with the staff and now I have become two companies. Look at the, look at the kind of prosperity that I am enjoying. I am not worthy. That's exactly what he says. Centurion speaks, Gentile, I mean, sorry, Gentile speaks Jewish language. Remember during the times of Nehemiah, these fellows got married to 
the Gentiles and the children speak start, started speaking which language? Foreign language. They speak the language of the world. It's interesting, no? When Christians speak the language of the world, it's a remarkable, what do you say, indictment on the value system. I mean, that that, that is being that they are being taught. And he says, return to your, okay, I'm not worthy. And then let's go back to the centurion now. Chapter 8 of Matthew and verse uh, number 8 onwards. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed for I'm also a man under authority. I say, come to one, he will come and go and he will go, do this and he will do it. And when Jesus heard, he marveled. That's interesting. Where else did he marvel? Mark 6.6. 6. He marveled. Why? <laughs> because of the unbelief. Whose unbelief? Gentile unbelief? No! Jewish unbelief. You can stun Jesus, by the way. Can God marvel? Oh yeah, apparently so. He marvels at our unbelief. If we call ourselves Christians. And he marvels at those people who truly, truly are, you don't even expect them to say something. Something comes out of their mouth. Verse 10, Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus heard it and he marveled and said to those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not in Israel. Oh, what an indictment. Faith in the unlikeliest of places. And if you are a man of faith, you know what you will do? What you will do? You will learn from this Gentile. Unlikeliest. You will learn to come under authority. You will learn to believe the word which is spoken under authority. You will try to seek for the word which has got the unction and the authority of God. 7.46 John. The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. They went to arrest Jesus. When they came back, they said, where is Jesus? They said, no man spoke like this man. No man spoke like this man. And Jesus is saying to the Israelites, no Israelite spoke like this Israelite. This is Gentile. He's totally, totally stunned. And Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, verse 10 of Matthew, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And then you know what he says? Something very interesting. And I say to you, that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Why? This guy has got the language of uh, of what Jacob said. Jacob said, I am unworthy. And what did this Gentile say? I am unworthy. The language of the Jew is in the mouth of the Gentile. That's exactly the reason why Romans chapter 2 will say, will not the uncircumcised man who keeps the precepts of the law judge you 
who has the written code and circumcision but break the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Neither circumcision is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. Of the spirit. Not of the letter. Whose praise is from God and not from man. You, These verses have to be etched in your mind. You have to keep on speaking this to yourself. What an unlikely person. God marvels. And verse 12. The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us learn from the centurion. Let us learn to believe God's word. Some people believed God's word. Some people took notes. Which category do do we belong to? Is a question. Because the words are just not ideas. Are manchi point. Especially in Andhra. Are manchi point manchi point. Very nice point that is. They will write down that point. But it's not just about taking points. How does it become life? I'm not saying that you should not take points. In fact, I commend people who really, really have good notes. Really. Otherwise, if you don't come with the notes into my class, I really get upset. First of all, I tell my students, do you have photographic memory? What? One drawing, you'll just be able to put it in your mind. Show me your notes. That is all in my class. Okay. Uh, now I'm in the kingdom, so I apparently I'm not supposed to do all this now. Okay. People will get upset. No problem. Matthew, Mark chapter 7. Let us look at another unlikely person. Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 onwards. Mark's chapter 7? No. No, sorry. Mark chapter 6, I think. 621? No, no, no. Just hold on. Please, just a second, please. Within two seconds, I'll let you know. It's, uh, yeah, Mark 7 was 26 onwards, I think. Mark 7, 26, yes, 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 20. What did I say? Oops. Yeah, sorry. The woman, the, uh, 26 onwards? It's Mark chapter 7 plus 26, right? Uh, am I, am I, is it not 21? 24, okay. From the, from, okay, actually you can read from verse 20, 21 onwards. 21, okay, actually you can read from 22, actually to get the whole context. 22, hmm? Mark chapter 7 verse 22. Yeah. Uh, thefts, lewdness, back, blast, 23, 23 onwards. Let us read from verse 23. Uh, uh, from, from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, okay? Tyre and Sidon, okay? Tyre and Sidon, you know, this is not uh, normal territory, it's Gentile territory again. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek 
a Syrophoenician by birth. And Luke's, will, Luke's gospel will say that she is a Canaanite woman. Okay? And she kept on asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She kept on. Actually, the word asking is begging him. Okay? But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In fact, in Luke's gospel, he says that the, the, the disciples said, hey, just ask her to leave, please. Send her away. And Jesus says, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread uh, and take it to the, give it to the dogs. Uh, yeah, yeah, give it to the dogs. And she answered and said to them, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the crumbs, from the children's crumbs. Okay. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Now turn with me to uh, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. Uh, sorry. Um, one second, please. Matthew, chapter 17, if I'm right. Hold on. I just wanted to I'm sorry, I, Matthew 17, Matthew 17, yes, 15, 15 or 17, 15, 15, sorry, Matthew 15, yeah, Matthew 15, yeah, yes, uh, yeah, 21 onwards, Matthew 15 verse 21 onwards, yes, uh, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of uh, Styre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy upon me, O son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Okay, and then he says, and the disciples said something. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you are not a Israelite. Tell me what I, who you are. It's like, you know, uh, God asking Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? My name is? What? Jacob. Okay, fine. So, therefore, ask according to your name. She said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And look at what it says, verse 27. Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, what great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Other translation will say, uh, the other passage will say, For this saying of yours, go, your daughter is healed. Faith has a voice. I believe and therefore I speak. What did she believe about Jesus? You know what? She believed importunity. What do you call it? Importunity. Until I get my miracle, I will not leave him. First thing. Second thing, I will appeal to always his mercy. Blessed are those people who hope in his Mercy, it says. And third thing, I will not get offended no matter what he says to me. <laughs> Isn't it interesting if somebody calls you a dog? Can you imagine? What will happen to you? 
tell you the story of a great, I'll st- stop with this, of a great uh, uh, Telugu songwriter. His name is Purushottama Chaudhary. Okay. He's a convert from Brahmin background. Okay. And after he became a convert from the Brahmin background, he went into some abject poverty. Okay. It was really, really going through a tough time. And his wife did not become a believer. And one day, um, he was very hungry. Something happened to him. He was very hungry and he was, uh, I think, uh, sitting in his house. Uh, his wife doesn't like him at all. Um, or rather, uh, he left his home because uh, his uh, uh, his wife said, I'm no longer going to be, you're no longer, I don't want you to be in my house. Leave. So he left his home and one day he comes back to his village. He's passing by his home. His wife sees him coming. Okay, this is, this is a true story. Wife sees him coming, sees this guy has not been eaten in several days. Okay, on the road. So what does she do? She goes, goes into the home. She makes some food. And she makes some delicious food, puts it in a, in a leaf. Okay, different, nice food, Brahmin food. Okay, puts it in a leaf. She comes out and there's one place where the cow has put some dung. She places that food on the dung like that. And the husband is passing by the way. She says, come and eat your food. Insults. Right there. Come and eat your food. He looks at her and he says, what? I love Jesus. I'm in a different company altogether. He's never going to get offended. He loves her. He says, I love Jesus. I'm never going to get offended. And you know what he says? There's a there's a stanza in his uh, in one of his songs. He says, "Peturadi sakala postul, per megala ma nijaku thastul, khyati sabhalo me munna puru ghanatali kamake me virati." You know what he says? You are looking at my current condition right now, and I'm looking absolutely destitute. But let me tell you something. You know who is my brother? Peter, Paul, all these apostles who are sitting at the right hand of the Father, they are my brothers. And one day I'm going to be sitting at, the, at their table and I'm going to eat, I'll be eating their food. Okay. So what you're showing me right now, I'm not offended. And he just walks past. I think he takes the food and eats it. I don't know what he, what he does. But there's a tremendous answer. He never gets offended. You see, people will call you all kinds of names. How do you get, how do you respond? Calls you what? Called Jesus what? You are a Samaritan. And you have a what? Demon. Did you get offended? No. And you know what? This lady, you can call me anything, Lord. <laughs> you can call me anything. I will not get offended. You know, faith has no offense. Faith has no offense. Genuine faith in God will not take offense with God. A lot of people get offended because if they are not treated the way they are supposed to be treated, you will get offended for sure. But how do you deal with offense? It is impossible that offenses should not come. Okay. But are you going to respond the way this lady is going to respond or will you be like John the Baptist? Are you the one? Or should we be looking for somebody else? 
we learn from a Gentile, right? A Jew got offended. Matthew chapter 11 verse 6. Who's a Jew? John the Baptist. Madam did not get offended. You can call me anything. Dogs also eat the crumbs that are falling from off the table and look, Jesus looks at her and he says, boy, Tyre and Sidon may, I have never seen, I mean, Israel may dekha, Tyre and Sidon may dekha gya maj. That's what he says, no? There were so many, what, widows in Israel, but God sent Elijah to one person where? In Sidon. To a widow in Zarephath. Faith does not get offended. Amen? Amen. So let us have faith towards God this evening. Let's more this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. You're teaching us so many truths and even as we are continuously learning from your word, I pray, Father, that you would establish us little by little. And Lord, we'll become strong in the spirit. We'll increase in the spirit like Apostle Paul. And I will walk with you. All the days of our life, we will walk with you without offense. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.